Robin. Hi, Emily. What's up? Nothing much. We're doing a a morning sesh uh, recording and things are, we're real busy. School's getting ready to start. True, true. We have a lot of work to do. But we're here. We're here to talk about The Bachelor and critical theory. Today, we're talking about performance theory. So performance theory, this is a newer field, and it's actually very new to me. I mean, just like with anything, we don't claim to be complete experts, but it's something that I have been exploring across themes of some of my work. And performance theory is actually exactly what it sounds like. It's about uh, performance and how people perform. And it's a really interdisciplinary interdisciplinary field covering sociology, arts, all of that, cultural, critical studies. And the first, there's kind of two major branches. One is theater performance or the theater aesthetic performance, which is part, which is not really what we're going to talk about. And the other sort of stem, we're going to talk about cultural performance. So there is a lot to say about acting and film performance, but we're not necessarily going to talk about that now. One of the major uh, people that you probably hear when you talk about performance theory is Irving Goffman, who is a sociologist, first and foremost. So he's coming at it from that point of view. And he, it's not a very, um, like when we, when I say it now, it's not going to be very profound. But at the time in the 60s, kind of just putting it together um, really brought forth a lot of stuff. So he's saying that everything we do is a performance. We're performing as people. We have backstage and front stage performances, the way we act in public, and then the way we act when no one is around, or we think no one is around, no one is around is thing. And uh, help me. Yeah, yeah, Goffman, I don't know. I'm not as familiar with performance theory. Um, I kind of learned about it sort of like recently. But like you said, like, it sounds really simple. Like, okay, like our our social cells are performance and we play to these social scripts. Like if we're um, in a cafe, we're going to act a certain way because we're in this public space of a cafe. So you're not going to take off your shoes in a cafe. Well, I hope that you don't, but um, because that is playing to a specific script of you're in this public space, you're a customer. So you're acting along to these um, kind of like institutionalized social norms. Um, And so for the bachelor, I think there's obviously a lot, there to talk about how do we perform romance, how do we perform um, sexual desire. So I thought it was pretty cool. But like you said, you're more familiar specifically with performance theory. Um, Yeah, something you mentioned, um, something Goffman, he wrote a whole book about it called Frame Analysis. And he is saying that we recognize different frames that inform our performance. And these can be very obvious and concrete, like the framing of... um, you know, you walk into a store and you pick something up and you wait online and then you the cashier tells you how much it is. I mean, if you're in an old timey store, but there's that <laughs> transaction. So you know how to act when we walk into a seminar classroom that we know the frame. So we know that we come in, the professor talks and we raise our hand and ask questions. So that's the framing of school. When we were talking about this, Emily invited me over to talk about it. So the framing is I'm going over to her house, you know, to see a friend to chat, like there's certain things, ways that you act. So those are the more and those are um, socially construct, because um, those might vary between cultures, especially in school about how you act in school, um, as far as kind of the teacher's role. And And there's different framing between, for instance, an undergraduate class and a graduate class there's two different frames that you work under and I think gender here too is like my mind went to Judith Butler Mm -hmm. um and gender trouble like this performance of gender the way in which you perform 
femininity or maleness. Um, these mannerisms are, they're acting, but they become solidified. They become institutionalized in such a way that we think that these performances are natural, but they're not natural. They're social constructions. And so to look at the way people act um, and play act, destabilize these and look for instances of transgression um, and what that says about um you know, relations of power in any given social situation. Yeah. And Butler um, has said that the way to break this pattern is to is to purposely act in a way that is against that or is outside those norms. And I think theoretically, I mean, I think that's important. But and this is a criticism of Butler that there are societal punishments for acting outside of a script. If I were to walk in a cafe and talk to myself, um, you know, I'd probably somebody be called, think I'm mentally ill. If I started screaming in a classroom, there would be repercussions. <laughs> so there are social things that keep us, again, these are all arbitrary frames um, that have been established through, yeah, repetition. And, um, you know, I think about the social psychology experiments. Uh, of the heyday that they talk about, like people are in a waiting room and smoke is coming through the door. And if nobody else is doing anything, um, people usually don't do anything. And that's I, I think that's also part of frame analysis, because the frame not might not be the actual the actual room or situation. It may be the framing of what other people are doing. If you're sitting at a concert and nobody applauds, you're not going to applaud either. So framing is also your audience. And it, even though it's not a formal audience, everybody that you interact with is your audience and you are performing for them. Goffman obviously didn't write about social media, but I think performance theory has risen up because of this new medium that we're performing and that we perform a mediated self in social media. And I think that's been talked about a lot, that it's not quote unquote real or what is real. It creates a new relationship to real and that we are socially performing on social media. Yeah, and I think even The Bachelor as this new media format, um, I think it's that Goffman says that new social situations arise, but people use old scripts to like respond to these, like to play their roles. And so looking at The Bachelor and these new, the rise of new media, like reality shows, um, in social media, people are relying on old scripts. Like in The Bachelor, it's this old courtship, this mm-hmm. old like hetero courtship script, even though the frames have kind of changed. And so what does that do then um, when people you know, go off script or create new scripts? So looking at The Bachelor um, as an example of that. Um, yeah, something interesting, um, kind of one of the most interesting parts of frame analysis, and I think is interesting, is that Goffman was interested in the slippage of those frames and how those frames change and what we do between the frames and how we modify that. And also when frames are overlapping. I mean, there's a lot of, to be on reality television, there's so many frames overlapping. There's the frame of I'm on a date versus the frame of this is I have to win versus the frame of I'm being filmed. I just really love uh, those instances where the frames are also kind of messy and unclear and how people act in those situations. So yeah, there's a lot of, I think with reality, reality TV is rich with performance in the most literal sense and kind of what we're looking at in between the frames. Something else I wanted to mention about Goffman um, is also he was, um, I mean, with a lot of sociology, he really, he didn't really talk about race mm-hmm. necessarily. Um, you know, I'm not blaming or excusing that him in that. It just wasn't in kind of in his framework, pun intended. And I think um, what's been good about that is that people have, in the past few years, adapted a lot of these performance theories to talk about race and how race is a performance, Um, just uh, similar to how 
um, a lot of it is framed socially and what people think races should be performed. And when somebody performs outside that expectation, what happens? And that uh, brings up a lot of things like code switching, which is a linguistic term um, that used to mean when people people who are multilingual switch, between, like how their brain switches between languages. But now there's the idea of cultural code switching, where depending on if somebody is with some people of a similar race or not, how do they code switch their behavior? behavior, um, both in performance, mannerisms, words they use, if a person of color is in an all-white space, how they um, are self-mediating their behavior because of safety or impression management. So um, I think that's really, and did you want to talk about? Yeah, yeah. sort of like related to that. When I was um, like reading some of these pieces by Goffman um, and Bauman, I was thinking um, of this book that I've read, Domination in the Arts of Resistance, Hidden Transcripts. So I think this is um, a little bit maybe like adjacent to performance theory, but it's about scripts and transcripts. It's by James C. Scott. Um, And Scott talks about these hidden transcripts or discourses that, you know, we can read where, um, you know, there's a public transcript and a hidden transcript. And the hidden transcript is what is communicated and discussed by subordinate classes. And so we can view social settings and interactions between these different layers. And we can read actions um, and discourse according to this dominant ideology. But we can also look for these instances of transgression of people going off script to the hidden transcript. Um, and he talked a lot about um, his work focused on slaves and masters in the mm-hmm. antebellum South and how, you know, we can look at literature, we can look at historical documents, and we can see instances of trans- um, transgression and resistance. Um, so thinking about performance theory, I think we can also think about resistance, which is really mm-hmm. interesting as just kind of a way to extend it from um, these, I guess, branches of like theatrical and social to look for resistance and transgression and what it means to transgress as either a performer or an editor now when we're looking at more like complex um, Mm -hmm. media documents. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the editor, I mean, these shows would be nothing without the editing, right? Right. The unsung heroes um, can make or break. Um, Something I was thinking about with that, I mean, I think, um, I mean, that's why I love, I mean, I love, you know, I love any topic that's really broad, so you can apply to everything. But thinking about um, transgression and progressivism and, and the performance of, protest um and i and i'd say performance not to belittle it to say that it's oh it's just a performance but the way that we perform black life black lives matters protest um the the women's march are performance spaces where people are performing their views and i just think it's it's just a really interesting space um i always feel like i'm a performance studies anthropologist i i love like looking at people and how they're acting um, if you actually something um, a mutual friend of mine told me that we were at a party and uh, so my um, if I'm feeling a little overwhelmed at a party I just like sit my butt in one place and then usually if you do that people will like come to you like you kind <laughs> of like start greeting subjects in a way um, and I just do that just to be more comfortable like I'm just sitting there and I've, I'm trying to you know if, if I'm not talking to anybody at the moment I just try to be sit there and just be in the space without standing awkwardly and a friend told me she was a little pissed at me she was like well I don't know where you were you were just performing this whole party um, and I thought it was really interesting because I mean I kind of do when I'm in a social space you know what I mean like I have a role yeah. to play um, I try to be the funny one or you try to be 
kind of the way you perform socially for people. You know, if you watch people that are trying to impress someone, there's a performance. If you're if you're watching somebody who is trying to be in an in-group, it's it's all a performance. So it's a really interesting, once kind of you get it on your mind, it shows up everywhere. Which, if we want to switch to this episode, this, right. this potpourri of a mess of an episode. Oh my gosh. So much energy, different energies, clashing, frames moving. Swirling. Um, swirling. And actually, this is, actually, we couldn't have, pl- I don't think we could have planned a better episode. This was a really For this topic. One. And I just want to jump to something, because this actually really is, um, because there were a lot of performances within the show. So they had some celebs. They had Megan Mullally and um, Nick Offerman, and then later Billy Eichner well, come if- on there. And the thing I wanted to talk about, one is, so the first thing, they had to perform a storytelling show. So that is a very clear, um, in a very strict sort of theatrical sense, they have to perform. So what they chose to perform and how they chose to perform it within the frame of the competition was really interesting. But something I wanted to point out, and I, as a background, I used to do more, I mean, I don't really do a lot of it now because of school. I did improv comedy and sketch comedy. So that's a performance in itself. But the people that I hung out with in that scene were like, the frames of performance were never stopped because we're just like going, 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 and we're always on and someone's always doing a bit. So it was interesting when they were first ad- addressed, uh, they first introduced Megan Mullally and Nick Offerman, they they were doing a performance. Like the, like Definitely. Nick and Megan were creating a frame of comedy where they were being super sarcastic and kind of making fun of yeah. the Bachelor contestants. I think Megan Mullally said, she was like, hi, I'm Lauren. I'm 23. <laughs> I'm an account executive. And, you know, the contestants were laughing, but I don't, but I think their frames were different. Like they, so comedy and performance, like a lot of times you need to understand the frame and I think myself as an audience member knew the frame, but the contestants didn't. And I thought that was really interesting and kind of, um, I don't know, they were kind of like making fun of them. They were like, this is the first, I want to tell you the first time I fucked someone, you know, she said that. And just, I just think it's interesting. And again, with Billy Eichner, who's very sarcastic, um, that there's frames. That's an example. I really love that example of like different frames of acting. And if you're not in the frame, you can look like an idiot. Yeah, I think that this was so interesting because it like this group date of Mm -hmm. like telling stories of becoming a storyteller, like literally on a stage, Mm -hmm. it both diffused the frames, but Mm -hmm. it also like created new like conflicting tensions with these frames because you're supposed to be there's already conflicting frames. You're supposed to be on a date, but you're also on TV and you're supposed to be competing. But then now you're on stage, you're supposed to be a storyteller, but you're you're supposed to be funny, but you're also supposed to be raw and emotional. And you could see where the frames collapsed for some people and mm-hmm. it didn't work. It was like performance theory inception for me. Yeah. Like it was <laughs> it was insane. Yeah. Um, I thought it was it was great. Oh, can we okay, so we're we're probably gonna go I already know we're probably gonna go a little bit out of order with this episode because I don't even think there was an order to even go and it was just so many different like a pastiche of, of there was well if yeah. you didn't watch it there was the yeah the theater group date which we're talking about then the one-on-one with alabama hannah which we'll talk about and then i don't even know if i want can talk uh, about it yeah and then there was like the group date at 
at bachelor camp so if you didn't watch it that's what happened but yeah just and also i love when billy eckner was like wow this is how you pick a wife someone who could do a three-legged <laughs> this is how you pick somebody to who you're gonna sleep with i mean he was again his frame was he was making fun of the situation and colton i maybe he got it but not really i don't know i mean he uh, Col- oh, i'm so sick of talking about virginity on the show know. like i well that was it's that was a good example, I guess, like of these like performances where yeah. I forget he was talking about with not the other Hannah. There's so many of them, just like the one that is like very tiny. Yes. But, you know, she was like, oh, my gosh, like you're an athlete, like you're a virgin, like you're a man. That's crazy. Like the frames of or like his performance of athleticism Male and masculinity yeah. like could not, you know, could not happen. Like you can't be a virgin and like this, you know masculine male athlete and so that i think is a great example there of this tension of of colton going off script in some ways and that you know yeah an example of how it's punished so his performance as an athlete and his performance of masculinity there's a lack and i mean let's be honest he's not really being punished he's being (laughs) i mean he's being punished but i mean in the the scope of the show i mean he's He's being made to be this. Although I love how it keeps it keeps um, coming through that like he doesn't want to be a virgin. Like he, which I think is is actually kind of refreshing. You know, I mean, if he was like, I'm very religious and I want to wait till marriage, like that's his prerogative. But I just love how it keeps coming out that he's like, I don't really want to be. It just kind of happened that way. So yeah, it's just an interesting. Uh, just yeah it's just interesting it's morning yeah it's morning well also i think one of my fave parts of the episode was the shaky cam colton in like the beginning the beginning where he like wakes up in the bedroom i can't that was a lot it was a lot why was it a lot for you i know why it was a lot for me but why was it a lot for you well i think that like that headboard is like the ugliest (laughs) headboard i've ever seen in my life so you were you were checking out the room aesthetics yeah which was not good um but it was interesting to see i love like i love confessionals and i love private camera stuff like that is my that's my favorite part i think of like the bachelor i love them so I like to see like how we're we're off stage with the contestants, except you're obviously still very much like in front of an audience because yeah. like you're filming this and we're gonna watch it. But I love getting these like curated, intimate like video like diaries. It's so fascinating because like on some level, I guess you you know you can choose your environment, you can choose your self presentation in a yeah. way that maybe you can't when you're quote-unquote like on stage at the cocktail party but it's still very produced so i think that it's it's always very interesting to see like the shaky cam or like the women crying in the confessionals because the off stage on stage collapses for me yeah there's a different frame so when they they they're called on the flies too if you want to use the lingo nice but when they do the when they take them aside and they do the one-on-one confessionals like the i mean the women know they're being filmed but they're performing away from the other women. So that's right. why those are well, because they will talk about the other women. So again, they're adjusting their performance. Yet when they're in there with the other women, the confessional for me was a real bummer because the idea was that we'll get like a real insider 
Colton, but he's so he doesn't give anything. Colton, yeah. He's just like, well, I'm. What did he even say? He's like, I'm up. I'm nervous. This is really hard. This is going to be really difficult. Excited. I'm excited. I'm nervous. Like I could just see the producers just being like, be like, forget this, Colton. Like <laughs> we're editing this out. <laughs> like they probably set it up for like the whole day, and we got like 30 seconds out of it because I, even like was he? You know, I, sometimes they do that with the women because they kind of want to catch them like without me up and right. kind of behind the scenes but Colton I mean he he's not expected to look different in the morning or not like he didn't yeah. really look any different to me like maybe they do some powder right on his face but apparently his skincare routine I think I read this yeah it's really expensive so he <clears throat> I don't know I I don't think his skin looks five hundred and seventy five I mean, dollars it, it, it looks, looks okay great. But I'm not like I mean I think that <laughs> I mean that's a whole other thing about kind of this so much stuff about skin and all this expensive skincare routines that you're just doing it to look not ugly like my skin um as soon as I got back like just the winter I'm pretty self-conscious about it like I have a lot of red splotches or dry areas and I mean in reality like it's fine I mean nobody's running away from me like a hideous monster at least I don't think so you know so but you know I'm I'm self-conscious about it only because I just want skin to be neutral and to have like a, an overall tone. And it's just interesting. It's not like we're doing this money so that we could have like glitter skin or like <laughs> suede skin. Yeah. But it's just yeah. kind of this back to this fear of deviation from what is the norm. And it's I'm the middle class. Skin. Yeah. 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 And I've just been trying. I mean, I'm not spending $500, but like I'm just kind of frantically trying different lotions just to just to get like just for the, the overall look that I just want one skin tone, which is um, not going to happen because I am a according. I am a fallible human being. And I'm <laughs> according to Demi on The Bachelor. I'm just old and that <clears throat> pathetic. I, I lost my mind, yeah. Demi. Like I, you've made me. I still can't find it. Like your mind. Yeah, it's it's gone. <clears throat> I don't know if this. I mean, Demi is just performing, being really rude. But like, she's such an ageist. Like, stop. so yeah. Do you want to explain? So she, so she's having um, a thing with Tracy, who is a little bit older, and I forgot how tra- how old Tracy, Tracy is. Like literally, like thirty one. Like, oh my god! She's, how dare she appear on television? Right. Like, I mean, if you were. <laughs> I don't, like, first of all, that's not, I mean, okay, you shouldn't be calling, like, people old and being rude to them if yeah. they're 50, but, like, I don't even know. That's yeah, not that so, old. So she, so they have, like, a cougar room where the women who are older than 28. No, 27. St- older than 27. insane. Um, Are kind of these older women. And uh, Colton is, I think, what, 26? Yeah, he's 26, which is makes so sense. there's also the issue of it's weird for a woman to be older than the man but right. men date younger women all the time so so she's associated with that now tracy um got emotional because i think demi interrupted her when she was wearing that bathrobe and took colton up for a massage right. which is also an interesting example of demi deviating from the script of yeah. of you know, waiting quietly, getting her five minutes, you know, and this is obviously transgressive and upsetting yeah. within the frame of like Bachelor Nation. Yeah, world. she's the villain slash slut now because she had a bathrobe on. And I think she had her dress on underneath. Yeah, I don't really. She did. That yeah, was, I mean, it was. I wrote down some of the things that Demi has said. OK. That, um, I think Demi said. Like, oh my gosh, they're so brave for being here and being old. I was like, <laughs> I actually laughed at that one. I was like, okay. Um, 
What else? Oh, she said there's no advantage to being an older woman here. Okay. And I then, mean, yeah. true. And then... It's a disadvantage in yeah. the world of The Bachelor. She... Oh, and then she also said that Tracy was an amazing storyteller, which was... <laughs> she was being... Well, that, that was, was another just, frame. Like, at yeah, first... Yeah, that's a frame. At first, Demi started apologizing, and it sounded kind of sincere... I mean, sincere within the world, but she was like, you're an amazing storyteller. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so and then she was like, and you just have to keep being the amazing woman. I was like, all right, Demi, you little brat. I love it. Demi. Um, yeah, so, so this, like, older... And then Tracy got emotional and was crying. Now... I don't like to punish anybody for being emotional. As an emotional person, I think she was crying more for being humiliated on TV. Like, it was a little bit humiliating for her. It's embarrassing. And I think she was just feeling that emotion. And she tried to do, like, offstage behavior. You know what I mean? She was kind of hiding, but there is no... There's no offstage. Because you know that camera followed her right away. There's just backstage. Yeah, so... I just want to cut in, and wouldn't it be awesome if there was a woman or a couple of women who are just like... I'm 43 and I'm here to find love. Like, I just think it would yeah. be, first of all, I would love to watch them. Yeah. Because they probably know what they want. Uh, and I mean, it's kind of like this how, how dare women who are older pretend that they deserve love or deserve anything for that? I mean, just this whole bravery thing. Like, and many a case, um, I might be some one of the bravest women alive because guess what? I don't wear makeup. I'm so brave. <laughs> I'm so brave. I'm older than, um, okay, so I'm 40. I'm not going to hide that. And I'm just, I'm so brave for not being married. And, and people tell me I'm brave for going back to school, which, okay, like I get it. Like not, it's more of like a privilege that I could do that in yeah. my life. And it is, it was scary, but yeah, it's it's kind of a, it can be a backhanded compliment Definitely. a lot, which I seem to be a magnet for backhanded compliments all the time. Um, well, speaking of, I don't even know. I just, I guess I'm going to cut in and throw in Hannah's date now. Okay. Because that was, that was a lot to <laughs> yeah. handle for me. Hannah was so far off script, out of frames. I don't, well, I don't know. It was just, first of all, it was really cringy. I yeah. mean, how did you feel about that and performance theory she went to like the desert i guess it was they had a desert they had a hot tub in the middle of nowhere date which is like a staple of bachelor i i don't know i don't mind her i don't mind her in a way i don't think i don't think we have a lot in common like i can't see myself like being friends with her but i just i don't mind her that much i actually think she's kind of sincere now imagine you going on a first date with somebody that you don't really know and there's a million cameras on you and you know that this will be broadcast. Yeah. How would you act? You know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. weird. It's weird. Yeah, she and, was definitely, like, not performing yeah. according to, like, The Bachelor script. But Yeah, and he... I mean, this is where the show just frustrates me. I mean, he was like, well, she's not giving me anything. She's not... I was like, but you're not giving anything, Colton. Right. Like, it, it... He expected her to perform a certain way. Right. And that she actually was not... She was not trying to impress him. She was not just agreeing with him. I think the other thing that's interesting is that she she's the pageant one, right? There's Yeah, there's two. She's Miss Alabama. Yeah. So, so she has grown up... Or she's been trained in a world where it's all about performance it's all about Mm -hmm. performing confidence and poise and having everything prepared and how you perform and present is literally judged and i think 
that her script was thrown apart because she couldn't fall back on the performances that she had been rewarded for before. Yeah. I mean, she was asked a que- she was asked a question off the cuff, like she had to give that toast, and she hadn't had a chance to prepare it because yeah. that's all you do is prepare questions. And I think, and I just again, there's a lot of diving under my couch by watching this when he she he was explaining how to give a toast, and he was like, "Now say some words." That was I don't know. She was. When she said at one point, I think after that, or maybe it was at dinner when she was like trying to explain her her nervousness, she was like, you know, I always want to put on my best self or my perfect self and I need to move away from that. And I thought that was really insightful or telling yeah. that there are multiple like, you know, there's an awareness that there's multiple selves or multiple ways to perform yourself. And she recognize that she wasn't performing according to the script within that date and so mm-hmm. you know we get this she falls apart because she's she's off stage hannah and so i think it's interesting to to see the people there that that you know, i don't know that break down not like will cry but also like break down their selves and to yeah. see these multiple selves and these multiple performances because it's not there isn't one oneself and you're performing according to multiple frames um but she got back on her best self frame by the end of the date and got a rose so yeah i mean but just getting the rose she was like well i guess it totally went well and i think i think because she's the first colton was like i guess i have to get like there's not it's like when you are grading papers and the first one you're like well i don't know if this was good or not you know well and she has to stay for the drama for the drama yeah 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 she's interesting this this now of course i'm gonna watch this show until it no longer airs in forever forever but it really like i'm just getting with each season i just get more and more bummed out and i think um of course studying this stuff critically can be kind of depressing but i just we're on this train trying to connect these social norms to performativity and it's just it's harder to do because i guess that's good because we're realizing that there are like some very gendered performances i know that these women signed up for this but it just it just starts to feel even more exploitative um but the other thing i was gonna say i actually like when people cry on the show because i would be crying all the time and not because colton didn't love me but like the rose ceremonies film all night you don't get to sleep you don't get privacy you have to sleep in like bunk beds yeah you can't like read any books yeah i would just be crying all the time yeah all you can do is like drink chardonnay i'd be hangry yeah i'd be annoyed um with all the women and it just so the crying kind of again it makes them into like a hysterical woman but yeah the the beauty queen is another frame it's kind of a performance within a performance um but isn't the bachelor like now again i'm not on the pageant circuit but isn't it kind of similar to that kind of thing like there's a prize and the prize is for a performance and acting in a way that is expected of quote unquote judges. Yeah. And then I think it's interesting too that like the prize is supposed to be this intimate, true, like romantic and sexual like union <clears throat> with Colton. And yeah. so then what does that say about what we have naturalized and institutionalized as these as these normative natural values of like a heterosexual marriage that yeah. it's possible to achieve this through a series of almost transactional or mathematical actions. Yeah. I think there, and we can't ignore the performance of whiteness and the performance of race Definitely. in this. And I'm, 
um, I forgot her name because I can't remember. She was wearing like the green velvet dress and she was beating the pots and pans. She's the one who was like, yeah, she's like, you're drowning in bitches. I mean, it's hard when they're presenting her as like the the loud, unruly woman and she's the black woman. And then there's another woman of color and I, I don't know anybody's name who was the one who's just like, I love, um you know, taking care of children and I love this. And oh, I've, yeah. and she was presented as like the good woman of color. You know what I mean? Like she wasn't disrupting, um, you know, and the thing that I think makes me uncomfortable is that the women who end up winning this are the non-difficult women. So the women mm-hmm. who will report, will talk about other women who will actually express annoyance at having to compete with other women, the women who bring up issues who, you know, maybe not be interested in moving to a new place or maybe right. don't feel way. I mean, they're eliminated. I mean, I think we get that with Lauren, who's like the least difficult yeah. person. It's kind of like that thing about how the old cliche, like, I want somebody who challenges me. And actually, they don't. No. They don't yeah. want somebody that challenges them. Yeah, I think Ari season is like a great yeah. example. Or <clears throat> Ari performing like a woke modern man like oh i want someone you know a woman that's my partner that's my like equal who challenges me it's like do you no that's those are just like that's part of the language that's created or like i grew up around strong independent women and i really want a strong independent woman right which i think demi demi was really going for it i think she was like colton wants to be dominated and i was like okay like go for it Um, i mean if i were a bachelor and like seriously looking to date someone like i would want a demi because she is aware of herself it's a reality show like have fun with it you know what i mean like maybe you're not gonna meet the love of your life but like it's gonna be an interesting ride if you know if you're gonna be filmed dating someone might as well be someone who's interesting right well oh the last date the camp i didn't really that was pretty boring the only thing i could think about with that is moving to like a social scene or like a social setting of like a camp where you're on tv and you're competing for colton which is obviously a weird new script but you're at camp and so you're falling within these behaviors of your old like social behaviors of like what would happen at summer camp which well, was it's childish it's right back yeah. to like this childhood mentality and i weren't some of the women wearing like tutus in that yeah that was a little there's chris a little harrison what was that chris <laughs> chris call us tell us what yeah. that was about again and just just commenting on that and the guests commenting on the absurdity of the show is like another frame or breaking frame of it and it's um I just think it's interesting and it says a lot about the the role that it plays on the show about, again, with reality TV of like, we understand the way it's presented to reality, but commenting on it is almost forbidden. And when it happens, it's very jarring Mm -hmm. and very like wink, wink, like we're all in the know. It just always seems like the people on the show are never in the know. I know. I just don't under, I'm, I don't know. The hu- There's never any humor on the show. Like the complete lack of humor is always astounding to me. And they try to do something like Claire's talking to a raccoon or like, do they cut out any of the women who, who say funny things? I think the last time I was watching a season and I, someone was actually like genuine, like clever or like you could tell was Nick's season when he was the bachelor. Like yeah. he was too smart for it. And like, it was boring because it was a little 
he was too in on the joke, but yeah. at least like you could see sometimes like the way he humored Corinne and yeah. things like that. Like you could tell that there was some. I think Corinne was in on it. I think Corinne was funny. Corinne was lot. really funny. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just kind of how know. they really did not. So, yeah, that I mean, like her cheeks pasta. That was funny. Yeah, I mean, she was play- she was performing as a spoiled rich girl. Yeah, R.I.P. Corinne. You're, well. I mean, you're not. <laughs> You're not gone, but yeah, I I have. So, is there anything else about the show that you want to get in that is like not related to performance theory, but just your general? Reaction? So we, so Brie, we never, so we never saw Brie come clean about her accent. Oh yeah, which is a bummer. And uh, Catherine was kind of like that, like her air was already let out. Like she didn't really. She I wasn't mean, the Demi's villain. Demi's the villain now, yeah. but I I really wanted to see more with her because she's I don't think she's going to make it past next week and I haven't really seen her in the previews who Demi or Catherine Catherine yeah I'm that'll be disappointing also where is her dog did it I think they sent it home oh baby yeah I know poor palm um, um what else okay. yeah Demi's so ageist um did you get any quotes of heard in the bachelor heard in seminar Demi I didn't really I have to admit but I know you have some I have yeah I guess most of them are from Demi because she was just popping off this episode. Demi said, (laughs) I think when she was talking to Colton at like the, not the cocktail party, but like the post date party, she was talking about leading the team and she said, I'm a total woman supporter. And I think that we've all heard a variation of that in our seminars by some like faux woke man after he plays. I totally support women. Yeah, like, but. Yeah. I hate women. <laughs> <laughs> I totally support women unless they're challenging me. Right. Unless they don't agree with my interpretation of this like obscure like piece of cinema. Yeah, or exactly. like unless We're getting too personal. Unless Emily. they yeah. like disagree with me about Foucault. Yeah. Like yeah, exactly. et cetera. But yeah. Um, what else? Hannah, she also said when she was trying to do the toast, I feel like you really took my words. So maybe that's no, I like that one. That one is more aggressive, but I love in seminars when we're all like, yeah, except like I, I agree with you. I really agree with you, Emily. Like we're yeah. just all over agreeing and it's not in a passive aggressive way, but like sometimes somebody does say what you want to like for me, sometimes speaking up in seminar, like it's a lot of energy and I'm kind of yeah. forming what I want to say. And then when someone else says it, you're like, God damn it. Yeah. Um, and then I don't say it, but then people are usually like to piggyback on that. Mm, yeah or to jump off from that point um and then demi also said i think we mentioned this before you are an amazing storyteller (laughs) can you imagine (laughs) say i went okay my challenge to you emily is i want you to oh here's a challenge i'm throwing a gauntlet next we're in two classes together next semester yeah all these things that we collect I want you to somehow incorporate it into class. I need you to say to somebody next semester, you're Ooh. an amazing storyteller. I, I feel like that's definitely something like you say after a class, after you got into like an argument with someone. Like, can, I, can you, oh, I just want to follow up. Are we, I mean, like, are we okay? I like, didn't mean to offend you. Right. Like you're an amazing storyteller. Like I really respect your point. I, I just, mean, I'm such a woman supporter. I just, yeah. I just think that everything you said is wrong about Judith Butler (laughs) and I've read the introduction of her book and that's it and I'm right I'm gonna barge in next semester and be like I'm not here to make friends please do that when you know when you do your research interests okay like like, I'm not here to make friends this isn't grad students best friends race (laughs) although I could see myself saying I'm walking and be like I'm actually only here to make friends 
yeah. all I want to do is make friends. Of so course. I don't have a research interest. Um, we actually got a late listener <gasps> question. Oh my gosh, bring it on. Um, this is um Britta from Seattle again. <laughs> Hi, Britta. <laughs> um, oh my she, gosh, she's like stalking us. Yeah, but she wants us to. Well, she was what she said was talk about the consent issues with Demi's kiss and Colton at the theater. Uh, Britta, that's not really a question. That's kind of a demand, but (laughs) more of a comment. (laughs) More of a comment than a question. Yeah, that's something you hear a lot. Definitely. I can't wait for someone to say that on this season. (laughs) I have more of a comment. (laughs) Okay. So remind me. So she did the she did the thing where she I okay. So I will admit, I thought it was actually a clever storytelling thing. It got attention and she's like in on the game. Yeah. My theory is that Colton knew it was going to happen. Perhaps he gave consent by standing up. Like he seemed happy, like he was laughing. Yeah. And then he stood up when he came to her. So right. again, perhaps there was not explicit consent, but I think in the framing Right. I mean, I think it was interesting and it seemed like he knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. But I could see it being framed as in order to win, you have to ignore consent and just go for it. Yeah. So that is troubling. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know. I think it's it's it, it is troubling to see how like by agreeing to be within this frame of reality yeah. television, you seem to give up your certain sort of like social rights or yeah. of course you know, even within, I guess, like IRL off reality television, this issue of when are you able to consent? Like, do yeah. you feel safe? Are you yeah. are you acting within this frame because you know your explicit consent isn't something that, like, perhaps as a woman, like you feel safe, you know, giving someone, and so yeah. you go along with it. But I think that it's troubling that within The Bachelor, and like we do see that um, couples are often sort of forced together or you just go for it and consent seems to be missing or that by being on the show you're consenting to everything which yeah you know is really is troubling I mean, you take you take when you sign up for a reality show i mean i've heard about the i mean on the bachelor you basically sign your life away you're they're like anything that happens we can film right and show and it's all fair game so you're giving up kind of the, the bodily agency right exactly um again even though yes they sign it I think people don't necessarily really understand that until they're into it. And I think Mm -hmm. we have idolized these people and created this space where for some people, they're like, this will launch my career. But to launch my career, I have to give up this agency. Right. um, Which is just an interesting type type of way to go about it. I think... I'm thinking about, so if I'm on The Bachelor, so if I'm on The Bachelor, which will never happen because I'm too old, (laughs) knowing that I want to be with Colton or whoever it is, but in order to do that, I'm going to do a fantasy suite date. Mm -hmm. From what I understand, like, sex is not required uh, on that date. And from what I've seen, that seems to be respected, but you still have to spend the night in a hotel with somebody. Right. Um, from what I understand, or they can forgo. Se- Has anybody ever said I want a separate room? I think they don't, but not. But they'll be like, we didn't really have sex. Yeah, I think that some some people have definitely like turned down the fantasy. Suite. Oh, really? Okay. I think I def. I feel like I remember that 
I don't know. Like it what doesn't season. happen often, though. No, no, yeah, it definitely doesn't happen often. But like it has happened, I think. And but usually it does seem to be kind of like a kiss of death, where like you forego it and then you're the person that's eliminated. Has anybody, quote unquote, winner had a fantasy sweet date and not had sex? I think Ben Higgins. Okay, you're and right. what's her oh name? Sean? Yeah, I Sean think Lowe. It, yeah, from what I've sort of like read, I guess from like the entertainment space that um that not all of them do have sex but that they they pick the room together yeah they definitely they stay in the room together but that i think i read like some interview with ben saying like this is the only time that you have off camera to talk about things that like and of course i don't i don't know what everyone talks about all the time but of course like politics current events anything like that like Like, oh my god i'd like to actually talk without right like you know instead of that getting like edited away that like that's your only time to like i guess talk about with your potential partner about some of these more um heavier issues i guess that i'm sure the producers would discourage conversation around when you're actively being filmed and i wonder i mean the question is also if it were a bachelorette season and a man did that on stage would it have a different dynamic? Yes, probably. Right. Um, yeah. But that's it. Britta, thank you. That's a really thought-provoking yeah. question. Well, I think that's something that we're going to carry with us throughout yeah. the season, thinking about um, not just with performance theory, but just like how consent is deployed and framed. And how bodies are used um, and different bodies are used in this reality show. Yeah. Well... I, we don't have any more listener questions, so yeah. write so in write next us time. In bachelorcriticaltheory at gmail.com. Yeah, and next week is critical race theory, yes. right? Okay. Yes. Yeah, so we'll be getting more explicitly into these questions of yeah. white supremacy. Can't and, wait. And stuff, so yeah. Thanks for listening. Okay. Bye. Bye.